Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Suave Talk presented by Bomb Chevy and Buick in Clinton, Illinois. And get this, if you buy a vehicle from Bomb Chevy and Buick, you get a lifetime subscription to Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing. That is quite the deal. Joining me today, well, I don't even know what to call you anymore, Nick Hoffman. Are you a modified, late model, midget driver, jack of all trades? What are you now exactly? I mean, if it's got wheels, I'm going to drive it. So I don't care if it's a shopping cart or whatever. We'll race anything. Yeah, you race Monday night at the Chili Bowl. Flew back home to North Carolina to get some uh, work on your race cars and stuff like that. Just how was your uh, prelim night Monday at the Chili Bowl? Uh, not bad. First time really back in a race car in the last five months. And a um, little rusty Sunday. We were able to get two practice sessions in. And I felt like I missed it a lot um, just as far as – the chili bowl is very tough with uh grip level. Um, you either got to be right against that infield berm or pretty much up against the cushion. So um, very easy to miss the bottom. And I did that a bunch on Sunday and then um, Monday in my prelim night, just not very good grip wise. Um, it's all passing points. So started fourth run third, in my heat race, that was only good enough to give me 24th and passing points. So that lined me up on the pole, with qualifier uh, backed up in it. So then that put me, um, pull the b main i was able to win it and then start 18th and run 16th so just um struggled to pass cars really in the future and uh kind of got mired back even further at the beginning and was able to drive back to 16 so that'll put you deep on sun uh, on saturday here so uh, i got some work to do so you're going to be in a d main as we talked about before this interview are we going to have some magic where you go through all the soups and get to the a main and get a nice driver intro on saturday uh, it'd be nice. Uh, last year, I was really close, run uh, pretty much top 10 of the B uh, on Saturday night last year and then uh, ended up in a crash. I felt like we were pretty close to, you know, getting ourselves locked in. So uh, our car has speed. There's a brand new car this year than what I ran last year. So um, our stuff's pretty good. Just um, I got to do my job and, you know, it's going to take some pretty big bombs and some stuff to fall <laughs> my way to uh, to make it happen. Okay. Speaking of bombs, is it as fun driving those things i feel like it's just absolute chaos and people are just running into each other there was last night was probably the wildest of like night i've ever seen but granted i've only been kind of paying attention to paying attention to it the last three or four years but it seemed like it was chaos and just crazy wrecks seems like maybe sometimes it's not as fun and it's a lot of intense just like i don't know i think they kind of drive drive like idiots sometimes (laughs) oh yeah i mean listen the kids are there just to make a name for themselves, and you know they're doing whatever they can to to get to the next level. So it's like it's literally slide or die, as Tmas says. Um, you know them kids throw bombs and they don't care whether they're clear or not. So you got to be checking your left fronts real quick. But um, yeah, it's I mean it's really fun to race some things. There's just um, there's a lot of talent in the midget side, especially at Chili Bowl, um, without all forms of motorsports. But um, I really enjoy it just because it's so much different driving wise. It, they are so much different than everything else I've raced. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's very tough to make that a main on Saturday. So that's obviously our ultimate goal. Moving on from the chili bowl, huge news this off season, uh, you and Ty Torrig are going to, you know, join forces and you're going to be running the world of outlaw, you know, for rookie of the year contender, uh, just, Throughout your career, starting in pavement stuff, getting into the modified business, to be in a full-time late model ride, what's that mean to Nick Hoffman? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what I've been shooting for the last couple of years. I've had uh, great car owners throughout the years in my in my late model career, and 
I couldn't have got here without him. Um, I was able to drive for Scott last year, which I think helped propel me into this deal. Um, but yeah, just, you know, I've raced modifieds, made a living racing and building modifieds, and we're still going to build a lot of cars. Uh, that's, that side's not slowing down at all, which a lot of people thought it would, but this late model schedule is really no more races than I've ran in the past. I mean, yeah. I ran 105 races two years ago, um, and still built cars. So, um, so yeah, I'm just super excited to be able to run this year. We'll be locked into probably around a hundred races, uh, whether it's midget races and late model and modified. So we'll run at least probably 80, 80 late model races. It looks like, and, um, this is just, you know, what I've, what I've gone for my whole career is to be on the road full time and, uh, with a top series, a touring deal with like the outlaws and, um, we're in a top ride here. And the biggest thing is able to kind of keep the car down here in North Carolina and, and, uh, have my own hands on it all the time. You'll be running the Woo series that I mentioned, rookie of the year contender. Um, just what are you looking forward to the most running the national series? Obviously you've done the summit summer nationals but that's just like condensed into one month tracks you're very comfortable with you pretty excited for this new challenge i feel like nick hoffman i've known you for a few years that you're ready to go and uh take a crack at this yeah i mean most of these race sharks i have been to i've made a lot of laps at whether it's late model or modified but um i'm not really scared as far as the touring side goes i mean we've done enough races throughout years that um, the amount of races and the traveling and stuff don't really get to me um it's just the biggest thing is having all our ducks in a row and being prepared to uh you know, as prepared as, as these guys that do the touring deals for the last couple of years, you know, a guy like Brandon Shepard that's done this deal for, you know, quite a few years, uh, he's got a pretty good idea of what it takes. So, um, yeah, just, that's the biggest thing. I think, uh, you see a lot of these guys come in as rookies and most of these, most people's their fans would say that this guy's going to drop off or that guy. I think most people thought Gordy Gundaker wouldn't make it the whole tour last year, <laughs> but, uh, but he made it. So, you know, it's like, uh, I think we're geared up and we got enough parts with Ty and uh, racing with Devin for the last couple of years. I mean, we got enough stuff sitting around that uh, we ain't got an issue there. How are you going to control yourself from getting fully like sucked in the Gordy vortex on the series? You guys are good buddies. We know he likes to have a good time. We all like to hang out with him, but you know, he is going to be a competitor now. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's one of my <laughs> best friends and he'll park beside me and probably steal a lot of parts out of my trailer and everything. But um yeah i don't uh i don't get too wild on race night now if it's saturday night after fairberry you know the speaker's probably coming out and it's probably gonna get a little wild but <laughs> uh but yeah as far as you know as far as when it gets down to business i don't mess around too much and i'm there to just win races and you know do whatever it takes to do that for and i just want to say i'm so glad that you and your family are you know okay after that huge crash just Late last year, people didn't know listening to this, you know, Nick and his dad and another crew guy got in a terrible car wreck. Just describe that night and that feeling when he had to go to that rehab. And a guy like you who loves to drive, who loves to get on the wood, had to sit out a little bit to, you know, finish off this year. Oh, finish off 2022. Yeah. So, um, I mean, going back to that night, I, I don't remember any of it. Um, it was uh, about 2 a.m. We were on our way to Farmer City uh, for that. I guess that's Labor Day weekend or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so just driving through the night, driving through Kentucky, getting close to Louisville and, um, another, we were in our Tudor home and there was another semi on the, uh, the side of the road. He was just in limp mode, uh, rolling at 10 mile an hour. And he come out into our lane to go around, uh, an exit ramp or whatever it was. And I was asleep in the passenger seat and Mason was driving and, uh, that, 
that truck came out into our lane and we smoked him running 65 mile an hour or whatever. So, um, so yeah, then that propelled me into like the door and everything on the right side of the truck. And so I ended up with a fractured skull, um, brain swelling, bleeding, bruising, the whole deal. Um, so I obviously don't remember any of it. Uh, Mason, he took the steering wheel and everything with him all the way to the windshield and ended up basically breaking the windshield with his face. And my dad was asleep in the back and he hit the ceiling. He said he, he was, he was asleep, but he remembers seeing the top of the slide out in the toter. So he knows he hit the ceiling and come off of it. But, uh, so it was wild. So yeah, I basically, that was on a Thursday. I wake up on basically Sunday cause they put me in a coma for two days. Yeah. Um, and so I don't remember any of it. I just got bits and pieces of what everybody told me. And, and you know, I still put pieces together, but, um yeah it was pretty wild uh that night i guess i had a seizure i got up i pretty much walked myself to the ambulance uh but i apparently had a seizure at some point and they were just worried about all the head trauma stuff so uh we were all very lucky to get through it all of us are doing really well dad's getting around he's back at work and uh i'm obviously cleared now and um super excited to get back after it yeah nick you actually just went to the doctors i saw on twitter i think and just to what get your approval for this upcoming season yeah. So basically, uh, I'd been going to the doctors for a couple, you know, pretty much every week for a couple months now, um, and did some CT scans and then they just did an EEG scan on my brain. Cause they were worried about the seizure side of it. Um, but as far as, you know, my concussion stuff and skull fracture and everything, uh, I got cleared of that about two or three weeks ago. Um, and then the EEG just came back in the past week and they basically said it looked normal. Like they weren't worried that I would have another, uh, issue as far as a seizure goes, which, you know, they said I had one at the crashing, but I never had one again after that. And, uh, I wasn't taking any medicine for that or anything like that. So as soon as I left the hospital on that Sunday, um, or Monday or whatever day it was, um, I never took a single pain med or anything. Uh, I just stayed off of it and I, you know, I felt fine, just, um, was able to get, you know, just naturally get over it. Um, so they showed me my CT scans from like when the, my skull fracture and my brain bruising and stuff before. And then what it looked like now is pretty wild. Like, uh, how bad it actually was. Yeah. That's insane. I, you know, you hear like NFL players when they get concussions, like you, they see their scans and stuff like that, how much that brain actually does heal. Did you feel like that love and outpouring from the racing community? Cause those like, five to seven days after it happened, it was just constantly on Twitter. It just shows kind of how we are really close in this racing community. Yeah, it's, it was crazy. Um, and I still find out more and more about, you know, who all can contributed and everything that, that happened. Um, so like just as small as Eldora Speedway allowing my merchandise trailer to go there and sell that next weekend uh, at Eldora was, was pretty wild that they, basically waived all the fees and you know i wasn't racing there and they still allowed my merchandise trailer to come up and and uh my buddy austin jucket was able to run it and like i had nothing to do with that obviously i didn't even know it was there um just stuff like that and then the gofundme gordy set up and all the people that that donated there uh because i didn't have health insurance at that time um all my health insurance is typically run through my wife's work when she's you know she works in the hospital we just had our our second kid. So the same as the first kid, I let her just take the year off and take care of the kid, raise the kid. And she literally was like going to job interviews that week and, and now has a job again. So that kind of sucked, but, um, just part of it, you know, but yeah, as far as the racing community is pretty crazy. Uh, how everybody comes together, it doesn't matter what it is or 
the situation and who it, who it might be. Everybody's still, uh, we're all big family. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing okay. Your dad and Mason's doing great and everybody's getting ready to, you know, go business as usual as we head into Speed Weeks coming up, Speed Weeks coming up, which you'll make your debut at the uh, Sunshine Nationals. Um, just on a lighter note, do you have to like change your lingo and how you talk to different guys when you race a modified to a late model to like, you know, like the more sophisticated midget guys? I feel like you have to change your lingo and act. you have to act a little bit differently. <laughs> uh yeah i i don't really so it's kind of funny because i got a lot of terms that we bring from the fender side over to the open world side and them guys are like what are you even talking about you know so like uh it was pretty funny i think it was two years ago at gateway uh kobo dine he's a pretty good open wheel racer and uh he was like you guys got such you know cool lingo for a lot of stuff you guys do he's like what is this like what's a deck and is and he was like some people were talking about blowing a deck out i was like yeah, that's just, you know, typical late model stuff, like blew the deck out. He's like, we don't have anything cool like that. So, like, yeah, I think it all it all corresponds to each other at some <laughs> point. But, yeah, it's just bringing lingo from one side to the other. But I think everybody sees my social media. I ain't, uh, I ain't afraid to, you know, kind of speak it how it is. And, you know, it's I got my own way of doing things. Yeah, you have, like, 24,000 followers on Twitter. And I was going to mention that. Like, your tweets are awesome. You interact. I like it when you take over Twitter and, like, tweet, like, updating throughout the entire event it's just something that fans get to see a driver do that stuff behind the scenes yeah i mean i love the tv aspect everything i get to do some some stuff as far as uh whether on flow last year at the chili bowl i was able to sit in the booth all night and uh and call races and just give the fans a driver's perspective just because they see it you know and and they don't really understand kind of what we go through throughout a night um so you know talk about what this driver did wrong and I don't sugarcoat it. Like if this guy screwed up, I'm going to tell you the guy screwed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think fans enjoy seeing that side. Um, so I, I enjoy doing it. So on the Twitter deal, the same way, if I'm at a race and I'm just watching, I'll start updating on Twitter just to, um, you know, give my side of what happened or, or what's going on there. And at the Chili Bowl, is it a lot less quiet, like in the pit area, because there's no like beating and banging, like at Gateway, I heard like there's no like bending out yeah, no hammers. metal, no hammers. <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's like part of the deal is like you can you're allowed one hammer per team or something um <laughs> yeah they uh they don't make no, uh too much noise typically um there though you get there about 9 a.m and i mean you can't do engine heat or nothing so it's like literally you know nothing goes on until they fire up for hot laps um so yeah it's it's definitely quieter inside that building than it is in gateway yeah and how does people survive like the whole week at the chili bowl in their livers? I feel like it's probably impossible. You have to go home because you had work to do, which is probably your liver's thanking you right now. But how do the people do that? Cause I like to have a good time. I don't think there's any way I could do a week straight. So the chili bowl flu is a real thing. <laughs> um, but I think if you drink enough, you can cure it. Okay. Um, I like so, that. But yeah, kind of same deal. I was pre preliminary on Monday. So Sunday I took her easy. Now Saturday night we, we were hammered down. Um, and then I flew home Tuesday morning. So I ran my prelim night Monday night. I went, we went straight to the bar after that. And my, my flight was at 6 a.m. So I went straight from the bar to the airport and then straight to the shop. So yesterday I was on an hour, an hour and 44 minute flight was the amount of sleep I got yesterday. But hell, you know, it's, uh, I went and traded for the world. This is, you know, what I want to do is try and be a full time race car driver and, um, so, you know, if that's what it takes and, you know, go out and have a little bit of fun, you make, 
more deals in them bars. I'm telling you, I probably wouldn't have this Chili Bowl ride if it wasn't for going out to the bars at, at Chili Bowl and meeting the right people. Well, that's what they say. PRI, you make your deals at the late night, you know, shenanigans or a late night dinner. Yeah, I said that the PRI show is like, it's the pry bar show. They're trying to pry you away from the bars. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. Um, Just you talking about that, like this is your goal to race full time. You've been doing it for a lot of years now. But I remember like my beginning early stages of Dirt on Dirt. And it would just be you and your wife and your little kid, Mason. I think that's his name, right? Maddox. Maddox. Sorry, Mason's crew guy. Maddox. And you would Matt, only be Mason's my nephew. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it'd be like only you three and then your dad would help out. And just now that you're, you know, going to a full-time race team, like just to know your beginnings, do you kind of look at they be like, damn, that's, that's pretty special that, I, you know, I've, you know, made it this far. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a family operation for the longest time, and now it kind of looks like we got our shit together. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. My dad and, and me uh, raced on the road for a long time together, and uh, just fortunate that he had good enough jobs on, you know, who he was working for. They would allow him to kind of go on the road, and, and he was building my motors at his work and stuff. So uh, we were able to do it as a penny and dime type deal for a long time and be very successful. And it just propels you and uh, propels you into this. So uh, now we got a full, basically a full team with uh, two full-time crew guys. And then I got two full-time guys pretty much in the shop building cars um, and then myself. So um, yeah, it's really cool just to have this opportunity and um, you know, drive for Scott last year. That was really neat and learned a lot of stuff there and just um, kind of bring into this program. How is Bloomer as a car owner? Uh, he's good. Um, he was, you know, obviously everybody kind of knows Scott, but he, uh, he's got, you know, quite the worth work ethic when he's actually into it. And then there's a lot of times he'll go sit on that iRacing simulator and actually make thousands of laps on the iRacing simulator, you know? So, um, just like any of us, he'll screw off when he, when he needs to. And, and then he's serious when he has to be. So, um, he's him and Cody were uh, really good to work together. Uh, obviously learned a lot from Scott and, and uh and cody and just their preparation of uh trying to get ready for these big events so are most of his conspiracy theories true half of them or do you say like people are just making up stuff as we go listen that whole interview on the dale jr download i've heard every one of those stories <laughs> like that ain't the first time he's told those stories i've heard almost every one of them so uh yeah i mean and everything he says is what he believes i mean he ain't bullshitting you is your modified legal i mean everybody that's always the talk of the town it looks like it's it, going the opposite way. It, it's legal until they make a rule and it says it's not. So then you just got to change it after that. So when you hear your or not here, but when you hear they make a rule change, what's your initial thought? Like, A, this is bullshit or B, like, damn, I'm pretty good. They have to make something to like try to contain uh, me. Kind of like Kevin Rumley did in, you know, 15 with the device. Yeah, I just, I joke about it a lot. Obviously it says in my Twitter uh, bio that I created a page in the rule book, which I feel like it's more than one page by now. Um, but I kind of hear what's coming first, you know, like being a chassis builder, I think all the chassis guys kind of know what's coming beforehand. Um, but yeah, they'll pretty much be like, Hey, you can't do this. And so it's like, typically in Florida, it turns into like, I'll give you two or three things. That's going to be like, I know I'm not going to be able to run this all week. So I'm going to get away with it for a night or two. And then they're going to be like, Hey, it doesn't say in the rule book that you can't do that, but you can't do that anymore. So, um, you're a mad scientist, it. Nick. Yeah. I, I just enjoy it. I, a lot of shit's just like literally anybody in the stands can see like, that's different. Like that can't be right. 
So they're just like, hey, you can't do that. And I think that's a testament to you and your race team that, you know what, like people think as you as a race car driver, but really you have a great mind for this, this chassis stuff, obviously with the elite and stuff like that. A lot of people may not give you credit for that part of it because they're trying to beat you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I enjoy it. I, I created the chassis company to, um, you know, to be able to help afford to be able to race, you know? Um, and so if racing didn't work out, I had something to fall back on. So now it's became both, you know, it, it uh, helps me live my life and, and raise my two kids and stuff. And then, um, and then also, it's become a deal where if I decide in five years, 10 years, I wanted to quit racing, I got something to do. All right. Our rules in late models, which you've raced before, is the droop rule. Since you're officially a late model guy, I'm going to dub you that for this season because that's a majority of your schedule. What's your thoughts on the droop rule? Um, now that it's no right rear off the ground, it is a little bit better because before uh, last year, you had to worry about the right rear coming up. And there was a lot of stuff going on there to um, to try and – I don't know, you still get the deck higher. And, and then, um, so everybody's obviously going to keep working on it to try and figure out the next thing of, you know, what they can do to try and get the deck even higher. But, um, I don't know. It's one of those deals, like our cars already punched too big of a hole in the air. So you keep raising the deck up and do no droop roll. Then the spoiler is just, you know, a mile higher and we punch an even bigger hole in the air. So I feel like, you know, it starts to come into like, we need to start doing something with the noses in order to take away downforce of the nose. So then you don't need the spoilers, you know, as high. So it's kind of a balancing act on all of it. Um, they do a great job at policing rules and, and, you know, more rules end up, end up costing racers more money. You know, at some the end of the day, we're going to still go the same speed, if not faster every year. Um, it's just whether it takes more money or whatever, time we have to spend in order to go faster i mean racers are going to do that do you think like because of this or them trying to police it and guys trying to you know get their your rear end up even more has it affected the racing much or do you still think hey certain tracks you can have good races on like obviously vado this week's been awesome other yeah. tracks they're just sol doesn't matter what kind of rules we have yeah i mean like it, it ain't gonna matter really you go to cherokee cherokee's not gonna have a good race probably you know, like then you go to Fairbury nine times out of 10, it's pretty damn good. So a lot of it's track service and how you prep the racetrack. And, and, um, and it all goes down to even, you know, if the, the shape of the racetrack isn't right, you know, like Smoky mountain kind of realized they, they had an issue. Uh, the races weren't great there. So what they do, they completely rebuild it, um, start over. So it just kind of depends, but, um, as far as when they came out with the droop roll saying that it's going to eliminate cars from flipping, like that was a bunch of bullshit, you know, like <laughs> it didn't make a bit of difference as far as that goes. But um, yeah, I do feel like, you know, some of the rules are for the good and then some just end up costing us more money. All right. So we're going to finish this thing off. I'm going to ask you about your future competitors on the world of outlaws, each driver. We're not going to do them all, but just certain drivers and I just want you to describe your feelings towards them. It can be good or bad, but I want yep. Nick Hoffman to be just dead truthful with these, okay? Yep. So we're going to go with the defending champion, Dennis Herb Jr. He's uh he's actually very nice to me. And he he will uh he will open up to fans and stuff. But as far as a guy on the outside looking in as as just a race fan, he's very dry and um doesn't seem like he's uh happy most of the time. And he doesn't get enough credit. I feel like he is very underrated with just the fans. He's always quiet just because how, you know, he's how he 
how he's mannered at the racetrack. He's not hanging out afterwards. Yep. He's just all business. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's he's a really good dude. Um, I've gotten to talk to him a couple times. He's actually called me about some setup stuff uh, from the modified side that he was trying to pull over to the late model side. So, um, yeah, he's he's a really good dude. All right, Brandon Shepard. Uh, obviously, his big news is Longhorn Chassis. He's back on the Woo Tour. You've raced with him a few times. Yes, Sheppy, um, he's a very clean racer. Um, but what I'm excited most about Sheppy is he's probably going to be hanging out more at night. Uh, now, Sheppy <laughs> that is likes true. Sheppy likes to cut loose. And, you know, Daddy Mark wasn't going to let Sheppy cut loose. So uh, that's you know, we're going to see a little bit different Brandon Shepard now. And he's kind of like the guy that's, like, always in the back. He's, like, having the beer he's watching. He doesn't cause yeah. the mischief, but he just loves being there and having a good time. How do you think he'll do in that Longhorn? Uh, I mean, you've seen it already. He's fast. Longhorn cars are obviously fast. And uh, I feel like they fit his driving style. I mean, like, he can get up there and pound the cushion, but he's one of those guys who can roll through the metal pretty nice, too. And uh, that's where the Longhorns, I feel like, on the upside of, of a rocket. All right. Chris Madden, he's trying to win his first ever national championship. He's always a tough competitor. Yeah, he uh, obviously will be very hard to beat night in, night out. But, man, I feel like, I've only talked to him like maybe five to 10 times and he can be pretty stern. Me an asshole. It almost seems like, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, super, super good guy. And, uh, you don't see a whole lot from him out of like on social media and stuff like that. So, um, I don't really know what to think about him. Um, one of your guys that started off in his career to modified Ryan Gustin. Yeah. Gustin's one of those guys. It's like, there's a cushion. He's gonna be tough to be. He's like a Pierce, you know? Um, and he's got a crew chief now at Taylor center full time. So, um, he'll be tough. I, I feel like just, um, now that they got kind of all their ducks in a row, my boy, boom Briggs, if you need something to drink, you can definitely go over there afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Bottle bush light. And that's it. <laughs> that's, that's all we have to got to say about boom. That's it. Perfect. One liner for me. And then obviously your BFF Gordy Gundaker, you can use the word bomb, slow, idiot, whatever you want to use for him. You can go ahead and say it. Yeah, he um, <laughs> he's something else. I've known him <laughs> since I was a little kid. Uh, we raced quarter missions together. The coolest story I got about Gordy Gundicker, he's only flipped twice in his life, and one of them's because of me, and one's because of Turbo. Oh, where was so, these at? I forget. Yeah, so Turbo turned him over at Cedar Lake. Okay, I remember that one. Like in turns three and four. Yeah, yeah. And then I turned him over in a quarter midget back when we were little <laughs> kids. So he'll tell you he's only flipped twice, and one of them's because of me. So one was he gets like turned upside down a lot of times after the races. Ends that's, up on the that's record. For sure. Yeah. Well, oh, Gordy, you need to control him. Um. All right, Nick Hoffman, thank you for taking uh, time out of your day to do the Swab Talk interview. Good luck Saturday at the Chili Bowl. Good luck this season at the Sunshine Nationals. I'll be there opening night there at Barberville, Florida, at Volusia Speedway Park. One of your favorite racetracks. Yeah, I've uh, been lucky enough to win there a couple times. So I've had uh, quite a few laps around that place. I think we should get around there all right. All right, Nick. Good luck and uh, have a safe week. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you.